On this podcast, we talk to thought leaders about feminine and masculine energy and how it shows up in our business, our parenting, and especially our relationships. We'll dig deep on any and all topics under the sun. Grab a coffee and buckle up. This is the She's the Owner podcast. Hey everybody, it's Kara coming at you for the She's the Owner podcast. And today I have a very special guest. He's like my best guy, girlfriend ever in the shortest amount of time in history. Colin guy, girlfriend. <laughs> because I, I, I own my masculine and my feminine. Oh, yes. Uh, that's yes. what it's all about. But I'm still a dude, all right? Yes, you're still very masculine. He gave me shit the first time I met him. So we know he's, he's firmly in his mature masculine. So Colin and I met in last year, at the end of last year at UPW, which is a Tony Robbins event. And unleash the power within. And we certainly did. It was amazing. And the funny part about our meeting was okay, so I've gone to like that would have been my seventh event with Tony. And in the history of me going to these events, I always find partners. I'm never buddyless. When Tony says, Okay, get re- get with a buddy and start sharing, I can find one always because I'm that's just what I do. And for some reason I had no buddy at this particular moment. And then me neither. I see and neither did Colin. And there was a lady holding up the buddy sign. And I was like, well, I need a buddy. And Colin's like, I need a buddy. So we buddied up together. And it was- The universe put us together. A thousand percent. There are no coincidences. This is correct. And so my good friend Colin was emotional <laughs> during our share session, which was beautiful. And it's still, and I always say, like, when I talk about you to my friends or whoever, my family, I always say, like, I have this weird, like, I feel so protective. I think that because of the way that we met, I feel very protective of, of you and your soul or your, I don't know. It's just a weird, like, there's only a couple people in my life. My friend Keenan is that way too, where I'm just like, protective. I feel this sense of responsibility to make sure that certain friends are super okay. And you're one of them. So that is the beginning of our friendship. And we went for coffee actually, and he did give me shit. So I'm telling you, the guy is, he's deeply connected shit. to his family. I was just was. asking you some like questions. Yeah. And when you go to a Tony Robbins weekend seminar, you get very real with people. And as, no, uh, as uncomfortable yeah. as sometimes some of these uh, questions can be, it's those kinds of questions that really allow us to have these breakthroughs in our lives where we avoid things because we just mm-hmm. don't deal with it. But once you face it head on and deal with it, boom, so many amazing yep. things open up. And then you don't have that, that, that feeling of that weight on your shoulders of knowing that you've got to like have that conversation that you don't want to have mm-hmm. or deal with something that you don't want to deal with. But as soon as you, you deal with it, and sometimes it requires some support from your friends and your network and your- Or total strangers. Total strangers. To yeah. uh, just to remind you and hold you accountable that uh, to do what you say you're going to do because it's so easy to lie to ourselves and say, like, oh, yeah. it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And then when you say it out loud to someone, they're like, are you fucking kidding? Like you are completely lying to yourself right now. Did right. you hear what you just said? Yeah. Like, I know, I know, I know. And yeah, it's, it's those kinds of moments where the more I avoid them, the more my life goes off track and the more I, I just embrace it head on and have people like you in my life that ask me those kinds of questions and then support me through the process of having that breakthrough. That's what I've realized 
those are the uh, those are the, the the moments that have made the biggest difference in my life. And it's again people like yourself who uh, are in this work and are in these conversations, these tough conversations, um, to help support. At least you've been very supportive with me in getting through some of those some of those conversations. I was like a baby. I was like. I'm still having these issues with mom. I like, I'm, you know, a 40 year old man and she's right. in Chicago and she like triggers me in these ways. And I feel like I'm letting her down. <laughs> and you, and we feel like, and, and that was one of the things you said, I you feel like a fraud. Like you don't feel like you're who you actually are. And so like, so let's get into that. And I think, so when we talk about masculine and feminine, like often women are guarded, right. And like coming, so, Colin's an actor, coach, author, real estate investor, all around awesome guy. And like, that's the thing I find, especially when, and that's the thing that's disarming about when you meet a man who I would call you in your mature masculine. I mean, of course, there's still room for everybody to get to that next level. But I think why you were so able to share with me was because A, I took over that conversation and I just created space for you. And, and that's why I think you were able to let go and, and just be really raw in that moment. And it was beautiful. And, and I love that. And I love that about you. And I thank you for that. But talk a little bit about like, okay, so let's talk about the Hollywood thing, right? Like there's a persona that you have to have that do you, do you have to show up in that environment? I'm completely ignorant to what it's like in that space, but do you have to show up with like this bravado and like nothing bugs you toxic masculine or and my sense is that you don't. And so that might be why you don't feel as connected sometimes to that world. But is that, what is it like to be a man in that area, in that environment? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. It's very tricky because when you are doing the interviews and you are um, promoting something like a new TV show, obviously you want to put, put your best foot forward and say, oh, everyone I work with is amazing and the show is great and it's so much fun. Because uh, you're not going to go on there and be like, well, I had, you know, whenever I work with this actor, you know, it's, I don't know, we just don't see eye to eye on things. And you don't necessarily want to bring any sort of negativity to what you're promoting. Um, so I would find myself in some of these situations, whether it was like, uh, you know, at parties or some of these interviews where, you know, everything is great. You know, it's like, you know, how you been? Oh, everything's great. You know, I'm working on this project and, you know, you know, everything's fine. You know, um, you know, I'm, uh, we're wrapping up season three and looking forward to, and, and then you would like go to the bathroom and then you hear a conversation where people are like, ah, oh, I'm just like, I, you know, I'm, I'm so nervous about the show being picked up and I, you know, then people start to really reveal what their insecurities are. And, those were the moments when I was able to really feel like I was connecting with people because it's hard to connect with someone when they're putting on what you can tell is, is just this air of everything is great. It's almost like all right. the, the Instagram uh, facade where everything right. you see on social media looks great. And I find it difficult uh, or I found it difficult being in Los Angeles where everything, a lot of it is just the image. Um, th uh, I found it hard to connect with people. And the more I would start to reveal my insecurities and the things that I was dealing with, it felt like it allowed other people to let their guard down. So I found like I started to have more genuine, authentic relationship, relationships with people. The more 
I stopped pretending that everything was great in my life. And especially after going through my cancer experience, because um, I was working on all my children at the time, and uh, I was 32 years old. And up until that time, I, I had come from the model industry and had was new to acting. And so everything in the model industry is all about looking a certain way and looking, you know, perfect and beautiful and lots of things are photoshopped. And so I, I felt like it put a lot of pressure on me to, to show up living that perfect life. And, uh, and once I revealed to my castmates that I had, you know, I was dealing with cancer, uh, I felt like my relationships with everyone that I worked with became much deeper, much more real, uh, much more authentic. A few of the guys that I didn't really necessarily get along with offered to go to my hospital checkup appointments with me. Mm. So it's those kinds of connections where I feel like, you know, we all kind of, a lot of people, I feel like we have to put on this facade that everything is perfect. Everything is great. But it's, it's when you let your guard down and just say, you know what? I, I'm nervous. I, I don't necessarily know how this is going to go. Uh, and the further I got along in my acting, acting career and started working with some of these um, you know, more well-known actors like Kate Hudson, Sylvester Stallone, Gary Oldman, the more I realized they, the, those successful actors were just real. They, they yep. didn't get on that facade. They didn't, um, they just would tell you how it is. And, uh, and um, it just, I felt it easier to connect with, with, with those people than, than uh, some of the, the actors in my acting classes were when, they all acted like everything was all right and you knew it just, it wasn't. So mm -hmm. it's, um, it can be kind of tricky out there. Yeah. And I think like when you talk about what Sylvester Stallone actually just did an interview with Tony during the unleash the power within virtual. And it was like an hour long and really? I've never heard him talk and it was extraordinary and exactly what you're saying. Like he sounds like he's still that kid who's hungry, even at 70, whatever he is now, he's still hungry and there's that humility in him and the vulnerability. Yes. Right. And that's, and, and that's the thing that we miss, I think so often is that, and not just in Hollywood, but everywhere, it's like this whole idea that we have to fake perfection and fake. And that all comes from our head, which I always say is the masculine. That's your, your mind is the thing working against you because in your heart, like, you, you know, we look at a Kate Hudson or we look at a you or we look at a Gary Oldman. We're like, Oh, that guy's got his shit together. She's, you know, but what am I relating to? Like, I'm not going to get in my heart if you're not in your heart. Like that's, that's tricky. And so you have all these people in their toxic masculine sort of energy when we're all suffering. And like, what do you mean by toxic? Day, ma masculine? Like everything's totally fine. And toxic masculinity to me is, is so mature masculine is you holding space for me to have a conversation. Toxic masculinity is you not hearing me at all and telling me how to fix it. And a mature masculine develops eventually where they're like, I don't have to fix this. She needs to talk about it. And Tony calls it the meadow report, which is the funniest thing. It's like, I'll explain it some other time, but like, I need to just blah, 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 tell you, and you don't need to fix it. You just got to hold space for me, hug me, tell me you love me and we're good. At more toxic guys, like, what the fuck? This is what, why the fuck are you taking this? This is what you do. Blah, 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 blah. And like yeah. women are like, uh, why don't you tell your boss this? Why don't you right. ask for the raise? And why don't you, and it's, if women can just tell us, honey, I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to fix anything. Cause as men, we feel our, 
our value and our self-worth when we are able to fix things, when we're That's able right. to come up with the solution. So if a woman can communicate with us what her needs are directly, right. it makes it much easier for us I know. to then just give you what you want. And we think you're hairy women. Like, and okay, so we'll talk quickly about the metal report. So metal report, so let's pretend I come home to you, right? And I've been out, out in the world. I will give you a 15 minute rundown of every single little thing that happened when I went shopping. There was this woman and she had this like really beautiful scarf on and the scarf had like this thing. And then she was reaching for the rice crisp and I will give you the meadow report and where that comes from. It's, it's genetic. So if a woman in her tribe would go out and hunt or, or gather rather, mm -hmm. if I didn't know exactly where that bush of berries were, that wasn't going to kill the tribe. And I didn't know exactly where that path was. And if I, when I came back to my tribe, I had to convey that to my fellow tribe women. Because if I get it wrong and she goes out and picks berries and brings them back, that could kill you and my children. So it's really important to give detail. Women give details like crazy. You guys go kill the lion and you come back. So it's called, Tony calls it the metal report. And so that's what we're doing when we go off for 50. And all you really have to do is stare even blankly at us. like as if you're listening and you might be bored as shit, but give us 10 or 15 minutes of it and then we're done. But guys don't need that, right? Guys are like, what's the point and how do I fix it? Right. When you're listening to our meadow report and we're just talking, we're telling you what the meadow was like, where the berries are and all that stuff. But so let, let's talk about how, cause you work with women, you coach women, you, you do masterminds with women. You're very powerful in that area. Do you see, women who come to you in their masculine energy, i.e. very controlling, very dominating, not very open to, um, and maybe not in your coaching practice, but just in general, not very open to any type of feedback. Like, do you ever see that? Do you come across that maybe even in, in, in any of the careers or any of the things that you do? I mostly see that with the women actresses that I work with. Mm. So the successful actresses that I've, I've worked with are very in their, their masculine. They, they are very decisive. They're very opinionated. Um, and I think sometimes um, I found when women have shown up too much in that in that space, um, when it's unchecked, mm. uh, it I think it it has caused caused problems because um, I think and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I find women to be more connected to their emotion the emotional aspects of who they are as a person, and I've found that with some of the, the, the women that I've worked with, um, if you're too much in your masculine, combine that with emotion and it can be like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. And so it can be like walking on eggshells around someone who is a, a woman who's too much in her masculine and then couple that with the emotion. So I think it's very important that not only women, but men also learn the importance of emotional intelligence mm. where you're able to control your emotions. So no matter how upset you are, no, no matter how angry you are, instead of writing that text message and pushing send or that email and pushing send or the first thing like that comes out of your mouth, 
where you're, uh, they call it like the monkey mind, where you're just, you're living mm. in reaction all the time, where you check yourself before you respond, before you send that message, before you, you uh, respond from your emotional core, because our emotions are essentially there to protect us from getting eaten by the saber-toothed tiger from right. you know, millions of years ago. And nowadays, when someone says something that triggers us, it can activate those same physiological fight or flight response where we get stuck in those emotions. And I would say um, the women that I've worked with and men in general who are able to keep those, their emotions at bay and have that exercise, that emotional intelligence, where they're able to give direction and be in their masculine, um, where it doesn't come across as being uh, itchy or uh, too controlling. Because I've also dated women who are very in their masculine. And as a man, uh, until I read about this, I, it, it, was, it was throwing me off. I, it was almost right. as if like, I felt like if she's doing all of this active stuff, like I wanna, I wanna drive, uh, I'll cook, I'll order the food. Where do you want to go? I'll plan this. I'll do this. It was like, I mean, I just kind of felt like the only thing she needed me for was sex, but right. even, you know, artificially she could do that as well. So I think it's important that we recognize what the importance of, even if you can do, you can do everything and you feel capable of doing everything. It's important to allow your partner, whether you're in a romantic relationship or in a business relationship, um, allow your partner to have that voice or like you said, create that space for someone to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel like their contribution is of value to the relationship. And, um, and I think uh, it's important for men also to realize that it's important for us to be able to tap into our feminine side as well, right. where we are able to share what our feelings are about things. Cause a lot of the women I do work with they're a lot of what they uh, they're contending with are partners that are just emotionally shut down. And so they, they ask me like, you know, I'm trying to get my husband to talk to me more and to share their feelings more. And um, you know, for, for men, it's difficult for us to, to feel vulnerable or to share the things that we're afraid of. Um, and the more things a woman can do to make a man feel seen and feel valued and, um, and feel like what he's doing is, is making her happy because we just want right. to make women happy. Yep. If we feel like our woman is constantly complaining, telling us to take out the garbage or we didn't do this, we didn't do that. Um, it makes us feel like we're not successful in, in the relationship. So that's what makes us start to you know, we're out and about and we work with different coworkers and someone says, Oh yep. my God, that's an amazing report you did. Or that was, you gave such a great speech. And if we're getting that approval and that positive energy from someone outside of, from our partners, then we just are naturally going to gravitate towards whoever is giving us that recognition and that attention. Um, and that can cause all kinds of problems too, if you're not aware of it. Um, that's why communication is so key so that even if you are feeling like having an affair, and I mentioned this on our, our, uh, our web call the other day where Dr. John Gray from Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus said his wife came to him and said, John, I'm feeling like having an affair. 
but I want to have an affair with you. And so she could have gone off and had the affair with the guy that yep. she was connecting with. Uh, but she was wise enough to come to him and say, listen, I'm starting to have these feelings for someone else. There's obviously something missing in our relationship. So let's fix it. And I think that's a key where, where mm -hmm. uh, self-awareness and being able to communicate is, uh, is so this is basically the Colin Egglesfield show now. He just did my whole talk. So we'll see you later. Thanks for listening yeah, and bye-bye. <laughs> Peace out. Um, everything he said is 100% accurate. So hopefully that gives you some validation, the Colin. same language. Yeah. Um, it's true, though, like all jokes aside, I mean, uh, let's talk about a little bit about this, the affair stuff because this is a topic that gets people kind of triggered. Yeah. And I agree with you though. Like here's the reality and I'm going to be super transparent. I have said to my husband, I'm about to cheat. And he's like, okay, because I was feeling exactly what you're describing. And even before he and I got back together this earlier this year, but even before that, over the years, I didn't, I couldn't articulate what was happening, but I was feeling like, buddy is not paying attention to me. I'm not feeling seen. I'm for sure not feeling safe and I'm feeling definitely misunderstood. And now it is his, in, in my belief system, it's both responsibility of both partners to make sure that my needs are met and his needs are met. So if I'm meeting his needs hundred percent and he's attempting to meet mine hundred percent, we're good. But this, the problem starts to happen if one is going 100 and the other one's going 50. Eventually, there's a discrepancy there. And that 50% that you're missing, you will find it elsewhere. And that's not to condone people cheating, but I'm a good person. I'm a loving person. I'm a loving mother. I'm a loving wife, friend, all of those things. My needs were not being met. And I, and I because I've done this work, I'm, I can identify that in a way where I'm like, I'm not just like, oh, he's an asshole and I'm going to go cheat on him. I'm like, I know one of my six needs aren't being met here. So I'm going to tell him, mm -hmm. Ken, one of my six needs are not being met here, or I'm not feeling safe. I'm not feeling heard and, and understood and seen. And so that we can have that conversation. But I think it's like, it's, there's this giant myth that it's the, the woman is the asshole for cheating or the man's the asshole for cheating. Like we have to get really real about this stuff. Like, we're human and we have needs. And if we're not communicating those clearly to one another, men and women, then bad shit can happen. And I think like we, I talk about this all the time where it's like a woman, we have to make our job is in our relationship is to make sure that you know that we think you're awesome to make sure that you know that we appreciate you, that I can do the light bulb, but I'd prefer you to do the light bulb. I can do the driving, but I prefer you to do the driving. And, and women will constantly, like I hear it all the time. Why doesn't he help me? I wrote a PDF on this. Like, why doesn't he help me more? I wrote an actual, I actually wrote a book, like an ebook on this. I want him to help me more. So then the guy will go and do the dishes and you'll complain and fucking bitch about how he did the dishes. When you're like, I did the dishes. What's the problem here? And women need to learn to shut up and just let the man do the thing and not complain about it. And then maybe at another time say, babe, you know how you put the cups on that? Like, do you mind? I know this is crazy, but can you just put them over on that side? I know I'm totally neurotic, but it would be like, wouldn't you receive that better than Colin? Why the fuck are you putting those there? Right. Right. And so it's like this explain why you want something and not at the time, like wait, 
or at least wait when you're not in that emotional triggered space. Mm -hmm. And finding the joy, ladies, like finding the joy in it. The glasses over on that side, I just, you know. Yeah. And then I think too, like when I I always talk about being in your heart and I, I had a beautiful conversation with one of my best friends this morning about finding joy in every little thing. Like it's not like, trust me, I am not perfect at this. I work at it every single day, but like just finding the joy that Colin put the glasses in the cupboard and like, oh my God, that's so cute that he's trying instead of why the fuck is he putting them there? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And it's, and it's that shift, right? It's like going from your head into your heart. And in my heart, I'm just happy you did it in my heart. I think it's cute that you did it in my heart. I'm not complaining in my heart. I know I can go move the glass later and it's no big deal, but we put so much charge behind. And, and when women behave this way, we are in our masculine toxic and not, not in the mature masculine, not in the, let's get things done. Masculine. We're in like bitchy, it's got to be exactly how I say. And that, and I, and when you talk about dating, is that not the biggest turnoff when a, when a woman shows up this way? Like I'm telling us where we're going to eat. I'm driving. Like, how do you connect with a woman that way? You can't. I, I like when I ask a woman, like if, we're, if I ask a woman out on a date, I'll ask like, what kind of food do you like? Right. I hate when she says, Oh, whatever you want. Yeah. Like, I want to know what her opinions are. I want right. to know what she believes. I want to know, I mean, because that's part of getting to know someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate when a woman just wants to go along with whatever that I'm, I'm doing. And there was a, um, I believe it was Jordan Peterson that I was talking, or that I was listening to, fellow Canadian. Mm-hmm. And he is a psychologist and he had, uh, he was talking about a study that was done where um, there's a certain amount of positive comments that are necessary in order to negate negative comments. Mm. And the, the specific ratio, if you have at least five positive comments, so like, honey, thank you oh, okay. for the dishes. Honey, thank you for ironing my shirt. Um, hey, hon, what would you like for dinner? I'll go pick it up for you. Those are five, those are positive comments. And then the negative ones are like, honey, why'd you leave the toothpaste cap off the toothpaste? You know, why didn't you do the dishes? Or, you know, you, you're late. Those are negative. Right. And he, the, uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy that they actually determined this, but they determined that you need at least five positive comments for every negative. Wow. And anything less than that, then the relationship is, the resentment is going to build up to a point where the relationship is probably not going to work out. Hmm. But then he said, what was really interesting though, too, is on the flip side, you would think then, well, at least anything more than five positive comments would make a successful relationship, right? Where they're like, honey, you're amazing. You, you look beautiful. The way you stack those dishes are incredible. <laughs> There's actually a point of uh, diminishing returns where after 10 positive comments, you start to see almost resentment on the opposite side because you start to feel that the person just is placating you and there's not enough of a pushback or um, someone saying like, no, honey, I, I don't like meatballs or I don't like your whatever. I still love you, but I don't like this. And the more that we're able to uh, be our authentic selves and, and say what we really truly want to, but say it in a way in which it's, it's respectful with each other. Yeah. Cause that's another thing when I've seen couples 
and they'll, they'll say things like, fuck you. No, fuck you. You know, you're an asshole. You're, you know, where they actually like are, are being that direct with each other. And I find that when you go to that place, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it maybe works for some people, but, um, uh, I, I just find that there's a better way to communicate totally with each other rather than getting personal and saying things like um, uh, just negative things that just are dis- disrespectful to each other. Ken and I still have that. Like we actually had an argument today and it was like, it, it triggered us both back to that ugly place where, and that's the thing people think, you go to one event, you get a coach, you do one thing and then you're perfect. And it's not. And I think that's yeah. like the, the biggest myth in our, and I will say our industry of personal development and coaching and guiding people is that they think, well, if I work with Colin for this course, then I'm done. I'm good. I don't, if I work with Karen, I get coached by her that I'm good. I'm done. And it's not like we're still humans having this human experience and we screw up all the time. But I think it's those moments where you catch it and you recognize, okay, like probably yeah. I did need to say that and neither did he. And so how do we mend that and mend it quickly? But I think too, like when we're talking about women who, um, who are these, cause I, like, if you asked me what kind of food do I like, I would tell you, let's say I said Thai food. I would then, if you picked the restaurant, that's the opportunity for the woman to not complain at that moment. Right. Like if you want the man to do things and take charge and like I always hear, I want my husband to plan more things. And I'm like, okay, but then you have to let him plan those things. Right. Like if you say, okay, care, we're going to X and I'm like, actually, I don't want to go there. I want to go to here. Then what that does to the man is he's eventually not going to try anymore. There and it and it happens in where you go for dinner. It happens even in sex too, right? Like if a woman and you you touched on it a bit, a woman is in her masculine, and like maybe this is TMI for some people. Full disclosure, I'm saying it, so handle it. A woman who, if she's going to pleasure herself, for example, if a woman, ladies, if you're doing it quickly to get in and get out, you're in your masculine. That is a really good indicator of if it's just a chore to make sure that you have the orgasm, you're not in your feminine. And if a woman, if you spend time and you light some candles, and obviously sometimes we have more time than we don't, but if you enjoy the process, you're in your feminine. So think about that when you're showing up for your husband, your boyfriend, your, your partner in, in bed. Like I've definitely been guilty of the, let's just get it over with. I'm in my masculine in that moment. And yes, we do quickies, but if that's your only MO, you're in your masculine. And men, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you want both experiences, do you not? Like, but if you can sense a woman in her masculine, it's hard to get close to them physically, like in any way. And then, yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes down. So what are your thoughts on that? Like from a guy's perspective? Yeah, I mean, guys, we're naturally hunters. We're naturally... Mm -hmm pursuers and i think it's it's important that you know a woman gives a man a, a green light signal mm-hmm. that he's going to be successful if he does approach right. i think it's important that the man approach and right. when women say like yeah men don't call me men don't talk to me um you know that's i think it's important to um to put yourself in situations or scenarios or environments where you're around men. So whether it's like 
you know, a social group or a running group or something outside of work where it's something you enjoy doing so that you are in uh, a place where you are already naturally doing what you love to do. And when a man sees that a woman is experiencing her feminine side, it's very attractive for a man. And so then when you can kind of catch that ma the man's eye and you kind of like just do a little smile or whatever yeah. it is, it encourages a man to then do what he loves to do and do what he's built to do and makes him feel good about doing what he does by approaching and knowing that if he does come up, at least you're not going to shoot her down because us guys inside we're we're little boys and we don't yeah. want to like, we don't want to get painful. Out rejection. So if we go up to talk to a girl and they just completely ignore us and shut us down, I mean, who, who likes that? I mean, that goes for, for both ways. Right. Um, and I'm not, saying that it's not appropriate for a woman to, to approach a guy. Cause sometimes there's some guys that just, you know, I, I talked to some of my Swedish friends and uh, in Sweden, men are not as aggressive. And so the women who I, who I'm friends with in Sweden, they get very pissed off because the men aren't aggressive. So in Sweden, most of the women are the aggressors um, until they, until the men feel comfortable enough to be the aggressor. So I think it just depends on. What I think the we need some Swedish guests on here. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that's yeah. real, or do you think that it's just women there are in their masculine and men there are in their feminine? Uh, both, because I've been to Sweden several times and I've I've dated a Swede, and uh, I would say that uh, Swedes are a very reserved culture culture in general. Okay. Um, but I would say the women are the, are more in their masculine there and the men are more reserved and, hmm. um, they're, uh, definitely more on the quiet side. And, uh, Interesting. um, so it, I've, I've, I've heard that complaint from my Swedish friends who are females. They complain that the men aren't as, as aggressive. Right. Um, and I, I don't know, I think it's, uh, it's part of the culture in which we live in nowadays where um, my generation, I'm in my forties uh, where I was raised by a, a very um, um, independent, assertive uh, woman who was not afraid to express her opinion. And who uh, I think watching her with my dad, I think my dad would get thrown off at times because he didn't know necessarily how to stand up to, to how, um, how bold my mom was. Um, but growing up with that kind of a woman, I'm attracted to that. Mm -hmm. So I do like when a woman can stand up for herself. Um, but I also like when a woman, um, expects me or needs me to, to be the man with regards to like opening the door, uh, or, um, planning surprises uh, <laughs> or, you know, certain things like that. And um, I, I think a lot of the women that I, I talk to in my courses that I teach, no, like a lot of what their complaints are is that their men are just in the relationship and they seem happy. Like I talked to my husband, he's like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's good. But there's no like excitement. There's no, no passion. passion. There's no... There's no, nothing that for the woman, you know, being more emotional creatures, you want that feeling. You want to feel 
passion. You want to feel taken care of. And I think that's something that uh, more men need to learn um, about with regards to what is important in a relationship to make it successful. And when we think our women are complaining, we think it's them when as men, we got to understand that they're just trying to communicate to us their needs. Right. It's not them being bitchy. It's them being like, yo, for help. Wake up. Be a fucking man. Stop sitting there on the couch watching your baseball game. Like go chop some wood, go do something that makes me feel safe, makes me feel protected, makes me feel like there's that passion. And you said it in our, our webinar last week where, I was dating the girl who, uh, mm-hmm. who I mentioned was very her masculine, yeah. and she loved to tell me how to, you know, uh, where to go when we were driving. Like, are you going to take that exit? Aren't you going to make a right here? Aren't you going to make a left there? And what did you say about her? She didn't feel safe. Yes, she didn't feel safe, and like, and that's it. When you talk about women complaining, we're, we're not. We don't like to. We're, right. That's our signal to say, buddy. Yes. Like, wake up, and I think like it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, we both have to meet in the middle, right? Like I can't just go into my feminine if you don't know what the hell that even means. And, and you can't go into your masculine and try to out alpha me if I don't know what that means. Yeah. And if a man is when, not in his masculine, it forces a woman to go into her masculine. hundred percent. She doesn't always want to be at. And then that's where the the friction starts to happen. And you were talking about um, like the, the passion and all that. And when women say that, so what that is, the, the term for that is polarity. There's no polarity. And so when a woman is in her masculine and she like, naturally we will just take over. Cause we look at it like, well, somebody has got to drive this car. If you're not going to step up to drive the car, I've got to like, or we're going to get killed. And it's not natural. Like I'm a naturally alpha woman. But I don't want to be alpha all the time. I want to be like, this may sound, and I, who knows who's going to say what about it, but I want to be managed. I want a man who can manage me lovingly, but with authority where I can go, okay, I don't have to be on right now. And the, the trick is finding the man that can do that and understand that. And I think that's why, and I always say this, I think it's always really important it's okay if one person's going to start the personal development journey, but I think eventually you both have to get on board like that. It just, it kind of just has to happen that way or organically things will separate because yeah. if you're, if you're talking to one of your, your students that you're, you're coaching and you're teaching and the husband will not get off the couch, eventually that woman's going to be like, I really need to be with someone who's going to get off the couch. But in that moment, they're not leaving the relationship with a, what if I had stayed or what if I, they've done the work and they can now get up and leave and know that they did try everything. But so do you talk to ever, do you ever talk to men about this stuff? Like, do you ever say to the guy, it's time to get off the fucking couch? Do you ever have those type of conversations with friends maybe even? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, Just for whatever reason, I think, you know, with my acting career, most of my projects and films that I've done have been more female centric. So the romantic comedies that I've done and the show that I did with Jennifer Love Hewitt on Lifetime. um, Most of my shows, a lot of men don't know who I am as an actor. So my audience just is is organically more female. So when I do a promotion or a, uh, uh, 
in introduction to my next like inspire six week online goal setting course, I, I don't skew it towards women, but That's so far happens. the only people that have taken my course are women and uh, I've had one gay guy. So for whatever <laughs> reason, that is just who shows up. But when I do have my, these conversations with men, um, I definitely feel like they uh, are receptive to what I talk about. And I, I would love to get more men into my courses and what I talk about because a lot of what I've learned is from Tony Robbins and from reading books like Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and from my personal experience of being in relationships and having them not work out and me being like, why is this, mm. why is this not working out? I, I, I feel like you know, I'm trying to meet this, this woman halfway, but it wasn't until I started reading some more of these, more of these books about what it means to be a man and how to show up as a man in a relationship for a woman and that there are definite differences uh, between men and women and the, they're not to be uh, negated or put down. The differences are, are to be embraced. And that's mm -hmm. like what you said creates that polarity. And as men, I think we are so beaten down with regards to just being a good boy, mm -hmm. be a good boy, Johnny, be nice, do this. And as men, we don't have those, those uh, tribal rituals that we used to have when we were living in the tribes where the older men in the village would take like the 13 or 14 year old out into the forest, teach him how to hunt, uh, you know, tie him up to a tree and see if, you know, prove to this kid that he could survive and teach him how to hunt, you know, teach him how to survival skills so that after like a week or two in the forest, they would paint his face and then that was the symbol coming back into the village that this boy was now a man. Right. And that is so important for a young man to feel that he is now uh, transitioning into manhood. And those rituals really aren't as defined nowadays as they were. So yeah. that's why we're seeing a lot of like, I live here in Chicago and in the south side of Chicago, it's a huge gang uh, you know, uh, gun violence issue going on in the South side of Chicago. And a lot of it has to do with these young 13, 14, 15 year old boys who grow up without proper mentorship. Cause a lot of the times yep. they're being raised by single parents. Some, a lot of the times a mom, cause the fathers are either dead in jail or they've disappeared. So these, these kids are just kind of, you know, they, they, uh, they get caught up in the gang system where their only mentorship is, okay, yes, you are going to be accepted into this community, but you've got to go by, you've got to go shoot and kill someone to prove to us that you're a man. Right. And it's those, those misguided rituals that it's, my, I'm, I'm devoted. It's my mission to change that kind of ritual uh, for these young, these young kids down on the South side where they don't feel like, They've got to do that kind of uh, ritual, um, which is just, you know, God awful. I mean, that, that is the main reason why we're seeing so much gang violence and, and gun violence, um, because it really is these, these adolescent kids who are transitioning into that manhood phase. And, um, and, that's, and that's all toxic masculinity. You know, and that's the difference between a boy at that age being taught that his mother's the queen and to help her and be her king and yep. then move on to the the women in his life. And yep. because that's it, like that's that 
the um, archetypes, right? The king, the magician, the warrior, and the lover. And they're, they're, they're being taught to be the king of the streets instead of king of their household. And when I talk to moms of single boys, I say to them, you know, you don't want to pacify them and do everything for them. But when they do something nice for you, tell them, thank you. And, and treat them like teach them that being the king and helping a woman and raising her up. That's the goal, not to raise, you know, put her down and all that type of thing. And, um, and it's, it's, it's this touchy subject, right? All of this stuff, because, you know, people will say, oh, well, you don't know. And I grew up in Winnipeg. I grew up in a poor environment, alcoholic parents, all of that. And I, and I think this is the opportunity for me to say, okay, well, here's how I'm shifting this. This is how I'm helping shift women. This is how you're helping shift men and young and young men. And I think collectively, this is the, this is what we need to do is have these real conversations and we can, you know, we make jokes about it, but women are suffering and they're, and they're dividing us from you in this way. And then thinking that they don't have the support. And then you think we're all shitheads and bitches and blah, blah, blah. And then what do we have all this division? And it's exhausting. And as a woman who was in her masculine from 10, 10 years old, I can, that's where I start, I think, to 40, how old am I? 44, to 43 even, let's say. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And you miss out on so many beautiful friendships and relationships with anybody when you're not aware of this stuff that it's, um, it's just not worth it. And, and I'm, and this is why people like us have been brought together and why the universe brings us together because there needs to be a shift. It's the joy in having these relationships with men, all types of men to me is like, oh, it's everything. It's, mm-hmm. and, then it te- and then I'm teaching my daughters how to love men in this way and how to be respected by men in this way and not be, I don't need a man and fuck him. I don't need him. I can do it all myself. Like that narrative has to stop because what we do is we push you away. Like, from teenagerhood and then you think well if you don't need me what am i here for right i'm like that doesn't feel good yeah (sighs) so what's next for you tell us tell us uh i've got quite a few projects going on i do a uh a talk show called coffee with colin Mm -hmm. on monday nights and um i've had uh four episodes so far so we've We've already got uh, greenlit for season two. So we do eight nice. episodes per season. Uh, I've got two sponsors so far. Um, so I'm learning this whole digital online yeah. space because as an actor in Hollywood, you know, I read a script, I go into the audition and there's the casting director, director, producers, and they essentially create the show. The writer writes the script I memorize the words. I do my part as the actor to create the character, um, show up on set, and I work with the other actors to bring the words to life. And that's our job. And on a, on a TV film set, there's roughly 50 to 100 people. Right. Like putting this, you know, doing their each specific job to make it all happen. What I'm finding in the digital space <laughs> is that when you do this, you're the actor, you're the director, producer, you're the wardrobe person, you're catering, you're the sound guy. I never knew about like, I never knew so much about audio. I have a new respect for the audio engineer who's on set. And then there's the lighting guy and the, you know, the aperture of the lens. I'm like, I have learned more in the last year of doing this than right. 20 years being in front of the camera on these sets. So 
what you know what's making me laugh so hard is yeah, right. I'm the ca- I'm the caterer. Yes, exactly. I'm like, oh shit! Like, where's the food? I can't even oh, handle I gotta that. Put it in the microwave. Like, I, people are like, "Colin, do you cook?" I'm like, "When the frick do I have time?" Like, I I'm like writing my script for my, my oh, next post, shit. and it's like, good. it is a nonstop endeavor. But if you love what you do, yes. it's it's not work. And I I mean, I find myself I'm up till eleven, twelve, one o'clock at night working on my you know, my, my next course materials or putting together a PowerPoint, but I love it because it allows me to be creative. It allows me to be self-expressed mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's, that's not always easy at first, but once you take that leap and just, just go for it and do it. And if you're hesitant and feeling like you need a little kick in the ass to start your own podcast or to write the novel that you've always wanted to, or, uh, to get back into your equestrian lessons, which is what one woman did after she took my course. Mm, amazing. Um, that's what I do in my, my six week online course called inspire. It's based on my book called agile Artist, mm-hmm. And, uh, in there, it's all of the things that I've learned in my acting classes with regards to how to, uh, how to identify what your act one, your act two, your act three is in your own life. Cause as actors, we have to read a script, break it down into the component acts, what each act is about, what does the end of the movie look like, and how does my character differ at the end of the movie compared to the beginning of the movie. So I make this six weeks fun and entertaining in the sense that you get to create your own character and be the movie star in your own life script. Amazing. So it gets all of your ideas of what you've always wanted to do out of your head and into this fun script and we do character breakdowns, and then I have everyone wow. write an Oscar speech so that 20 years from now, you are reading in front of a group of 20 people in this inspired group that we, you know, we put together, and you get to read and say thank you to everyone that helped you get to where you're at 20 years from now. And what does wow. that look like? What does your life look like 20 years from now? And that's one of the exercises one of my acting teachers did for me that allowed me to walk into my audition for something borrowed with Kate Hudson, not walking in there with the mindset of, Ooh, I hope you pick me for this role. It was more of, I, in my mind, had already won an Academy award for this movie. Right. And I'd already finished the movie. And so me walking into the room was just like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Total certainty. that, That certainty that Tony Robbins talks about. And you can create certainty for yourself in a second. Um, yep. As actors, that's what we do. We train on how to create certainty in the face of no evidence. Because as actors, what we do is make believe. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. it training, acting classes, using your imagination, being in that creative space. I sincerely think it would be the hardest thing ever is to be an actor. And a, a good actor. I mean, there's people who act and they suck, but like you're yeah. a good actor. So I'm always like, I don't know. It's, I have such a deep, profound respect for people who do that because I just, yeah, it just seems like the level of vulnerability that you must have to be successful at that seems incredibly high. Yeah, it was the shift from when I, when I shifted my perspective of instead of vulnerability meaning weak, mm. I started to see how it meant that I was strong and I was inspiring other people to be able to communicate better, 
to connect better. And that's when I started to realize that it wasn't about me. It was about mm. me being the medium for other people to experience vulnerability, to experience joy, inspiration, uh, love. And I love when people see one of my projects and you can just see them light up or they come up to me afterwards and say, Colin, I saw your movie. Thank you so much. It, it just shed some light in my life. And now I, it gave me the inspiration to just go out there and live the life that I've always wanted to. That is the most fulfilling thing mm. in life. And I would say people would look at you too, Kara, though, and say that they're amazed at what you do. And mm. people, I, I, I bet you look at what you do and look up to you and say, man, I've, I want to do what she does. That's, I don't know. I have a new respect for, for what Kara does because what she's doing is it's not easy. But again, if you love what you do, you end up figuring it out. And, uh, and it's, it's one of the things that I've always, that my acting teachers and everyone has always impressed upon me is that you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to show up honestly, authentically, and uh, with an attitude of humbleness and be willing to learn. And when you're in that space, um, that's when I started to book more jobs. And there were more talented actors in my acting classes. But when I was walking into these auditions, um, they could tell that I was new and green and didn't have the experience. But what they could tell was that um, I was real, I was genuine, uh, I didn't try to act like I knew it or um, that I had it all figured out. And the more I was just walking into my auditions, just with this, with this sense of vulnerability, the more they were like, yes, that's what we want. Just right there. That's it. Just mm -hmm. Well, like I'm getting choked up right now, you jerk. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. If you're not, if you're hearing this and not watching it, but like, the thing about Colin is that there is this deep sense of I'm not better than you about you and that you're, you're sincerely, the things that you do and the things that you say and the way that you show up is genuinely you feel as, as a person who is his friend, I feel cared for. Like, I know you're busy. I'm busy. Sometimes we miss, we don't connect, whatever. But like, mm. you just have this like authenticity about you and that first of all I don't know any other actors so I, well I know one or two and one of the ones I know actually is more true to what we think actors are like like was really friendly at first and then just bounced and I don't hear from her anymore now that I didn't really give whatever but the idea that we have about people that are actors or people that are very successful or whatever is that they're, they're not authentic but it's like or wealthy people aren't authentic, but th that's so far from the truth when you get to know people because that's the authenticity is what's given them the success. Mm -hmm. Like fake people, I always say like people who want to start businesses just to make the money, right? They chase the money. You might get rich, you might make money, but you're not fulfilled. It's only when you tap into the side of yourself, ourselves, that we feel that. And I'm, I'm not making any money on She's the Owner yet. I'm not worried for a second. Because I'm so in my authentic, where I'm supposed to be, that I know, yeah, it's gonna happen quickly. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not sitting here going, oh shit, I better like I'm just, 
And that's the thing about, and I need you, and I really do need you to know, and I don't know if any other people say it to you, but you're such a, a like lovely human, Thank like you. just so authentic. And, um, and it's important and that's why you're successful and that's why you're going to continue because people are tired of the bullshit. They're just tired of it. Mm-hmm. So tired of it. So yep. where can people find you if they want to connect? They can go to my website, colineglesfield.com. And on there, I have uh, the opportunity to watch two webinars that I've recorded. One of them is for my six-week Inspire online course. And then the other one is I put together a course called Camera Ready. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the people that I was, that were in my courses, they would say like, oh man, this is amazing. I want to I wanna do my own podcast now or... Uh, you know, I do real estate. So I, I would meet real estate agents and, and they would say, oh yeah, you know what? I now realize in order to grow my business, I need to do more social media. I need to do some more videos and promote my business. But the problem was they were like, but I don't feel comfortable pushing the button. And whenever I'm in front of the camera, I freeze up and I don't know what to say. So I put together this course called Camera Ready, which teaches you how to be able to show up confidently in front of the camera and deliver your message to the four different audience groups that you need to know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, I help you craft your message so that you succinctly are able to put together what it is that you stand for, um, whether it's the business that you're promoting or a service, or uh, like if you're wanting to promote the book that you've just written. Um, I've got worksheets that I put together, everything that I've learned not only from my acting classes, but also from my experience going on my book tour last mm-hmm. year, promoting my book and, uh, and knowing how to just um, show up in front of the camera from a place of service where it's not about you and getting you out of your head. Right. It's more about you showing up with a, a, such an inspiring purpose of you not just communicating information to your audience, but you're providing transformative information where it's truly impacting their life in such an amazing way where when you're communicating to this, you're actually imagining the transformation and seeing it right. you, where like if you're a real estate agent, instead of saying, you know, I'm Joe Johnson, this is a three bed, two bath house with 1200 square feet. Call me today if you're interested. Instead, it's, how you doing? Joe Johnson here. And if you are looking for a beautiful home to raise your kids and have them run down the stairs and smell grandma's, you know, uh, pumpkin pie, and uh, you're able to raise your family and see the milestones of your children getting older in this home, this place has uh, a basement down here where you can create, like, it's, it's totally different emotional connection um, where it's not just, again, it's not just, just information. It's, um, more of creating that picture of what it looks like for people to then make that buying decision because people make buying decisions or decide to work with you from a subconscious place. 80% mm-hmm. of our decision-making is done subconsciously. So it's not just about giving people the facts and the figures. Right. People don't think rationally. I mean, a lot of times when you ask someone like, what do you like about your husband? Or what did you, what did you, what did you like about your wife? You're like, I don't know. I just, I just had this feeling like, how do you quantify that? How do you, we make our decisions so much from this subconscious place that when you're communicating with people, you've got to make sure that you tap into those subconscious communication um, 
techniques and strategies so that you're, uh, you're just um, making sure that the people that you're communicating with um, are not just hearing the information, but they're trusting you on that subconscious right. level. And that's, that's the heart. That's, that's if you sell from the heart, right? Like that's it. If, you know, we all seen the cheesy sales guys are like, what do I got to do to get you in this car? And I'm like, not a damn thing. I'm not getting in that car. <laughs> How are you going to feel when you're driving your kids around in this car? That's totally safe. It's a totally different. And, but it's authentic people. I, I love that people are waking up to this because authenticity is it. That's the key message for everybody. If you're real, people will like you or they won't, but you're not going to waste time trying to convince people. Some yeah. people love me and some people don't like the way I communicate. Perfect. But I'm being authentic. So I can go to sleep tonight knowing that. And that feels pretty good. Yeah. So. And people buy you. your brand more so than they do your, your, your actual product. Because you look at Apple and Simon Sinek, another fellow Canadian, talks about, you know, what's your why. And mm -hmm. you look at Apple and Microsoft and what he always talks about is right. Apple promoted their products, their computing uh, computer products by focusing their advertising on think different. Mm -hmm. So it was, we are a company that encourages you to think different. And we do that by making um, products that look different, that feel different, that perform differently. And oh, by the way, they happen to be computers that allow you to send emails and do your work and write documents that's what we're all about. And that's how their approach was. Whereas like a Microsoft would be like, we make computers that yeah. have 22 gigabytes. And yeah, here are the specs. These are the specs and it will help you get your work done faster. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. Which one do you want to buy? Like, right. I know. Apple You're selling sells, lifestyle. Yeah. Apple sells a culture and a lifestyle. Microsoft traditionally has been selling products and it's more so the more you can sell that brand and that, that emotional connection to the brand, the more successful you're going to be. And so to that, I'll say to the, the budding entrepreneurs that are listening, don't get caught up in, oh, there's a million people that do what I do. Nobody is you. Like right. there's only one you and there's only one me. And are there other relationship and, and that type of coaching or courses or feminine? Absolutely. I've had many of them on my show, but they're not me. And there's plenty of people who will like this flavor and who don't like that flavor. And, yep. and so don't get caught up in that ideology that, well, there's so much competition. It doesn't matter. If you're authentic and you show up how you are, people will either like you or they won't, but somebody will. Somebody will yep. want to help or be around you and, and attracted to you in that way. But, oh, my dear, that's all the questions I have for you today. Well, thank you for having me, Kara. It's yeah. always great to see you. <laughs> And uh, we'd love to have you back on one of my mastermind. Heck yes. That would be, I would love that. That was so much fun. Okay. Um, and so Instagram though, at, at Colin Egglesfield, that's at the handle. Colin Egglesfield. Yep. And if you okay. uh, are interested in uh, connecting with me, you can email me at info at Colin Egglesfield.com. And uh, happy to share with you more about my courses and of course my book, which you can get on Amazon. You can go to my website again, colinegglesfield.com. Click on my book right there. It's called Agile Artist. Awesome. All right. I love you, love you, love you. And I will love talk you to you soon. All right. Bye. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye. Mwah. Hi.